This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi everyone, Lucy Kippist here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and this episode of our podcast is brought to you by our brand new business class membership. The Flying Solo Business Class Membership is your annual pass to great deals, discounts, tips, wisdom for building the business of your dreams and you get the opportunity to be a guest on this podcast all for just $165. Head to our website for details. Have you ever found yourself completely stuck in a problem or a place in your business that despite making what you think are your absolute best efforts to change it, nothing seems to budge? And the fact that you've exerted all this energy and effort into changing something with no result makes you feel even more hopeless. Well, there is actually a reason for that kind of problem. And without wanting to sound too rude, it definitely starts and ends with you, but not in the way you're probably thinking. Today's guest is Jamin Fraser, and he describes this kind of problem as a negative core belief. Jamin is the founder of the Insecurity Project, and he's here to help us understand what these negative core beliefs are and why shifting them will have a hugely positive impact on our life and our business. Welcome back to the podcast, Jamin. Hey, Lucy. Thanks so much for having me. Always a pleasure. So let's just get like stuck into it. Um, what are what's the definition of a core belief? What are they? Sure. Well, as a human being, we're sense-making creatures. So we go into the world and we have experiences, uh, but none of these experiences have meaning except the meaning we give them. So five people all having the same experience are actually not having the same experience. They're all having their own experience. Mm. And based on the meaning that we place on the events, conversations, experiences we have, uh, that makes sense of our experience. And then we, we understand that that is what happened and that is true which therefore forms the basis of our sense-making paradigm from then into our future and is the definition of a core belief. It's what we understand is how the world works. It's what we understand is true. It's what we understand uh, is what we should expect for our future. So that's that's how I'd understand uh, a core belief. And they are something that impacts. So if, let's say, those core beliefs start in childhood, which I'm assuming is basically where most of them start, we take those beliefs with us into adulthood and it's not just one element of our life that that's impacting. So it's not just our personal life, it's actually our business life as well. So it's wide-ranging impact. Yeah, of course. I mean, it has to impact every area of our life because that is how we do life. We experience the world through our five senses and then that that experience is filtered through our belief system. Mm. So uh, studies say we have access to over 2 million bits of information in any one moment, but we can't possibly pay attention to all those bits. Mm. So our brain reticular activating system is constantly filtering out that stuff simply based on what we believe is true and important and relevant. So our beliefs are what set the filters. So... 
Uh, they are what produce our whole experience of life. Whatever you believe, you will find evidence for. So if you have positive, empowering beliefs, you will find evidence that those beliefs are true. If you have negative, uh, disempowering beliefs, you will find evidence that those beliefs are true. And then our behavior and our emotions and our thinking is simply the byproduct or the end of the assembly line that flows out of the factory of our beliefs. So you're right, it impacts every single area of our life. It has to, that's that's the only thing that could happen. That is how we do life, flowing from our beliefs. Mm. So what we'll get into is obviously the good news is we can change those negative ones. I mean, the good ones are welcome to stay around, obviously, but the negative ones, what's an example of a negative core belief when it comes to running your business? Well, all roads lead to Rome when it comes to negative core beliefs. Uh, they they all start out being abstract and beliefs about the world or beliefs about what others think or say Uh, but ultimately when we explore all beliefs especially negative ones they come back to the beliefs that are uh, framed in our own opinion of ourselves so uh, all negative beliefs will be traced back to some kind of uh, belief that there is some inadequacy with you that in some way you're going to get found out you're not going to be good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, uh, you're not worthy of love, there's there's something lacking and missing. And uh, everything we do in life is an attempt to protect ourselves from those beliefs being exposed as true, but at the same time it is what we believe is true, so we're constantly... Uh, monitoring evidence for these things and building a case that that is actually not just a story in our head, but that is our reality. And therefore, we must continue to protect ourselves from that Mm. reality uh, and show up guarded so that we never get found out. Yeah. So I think there's a a very common, well, there certainly was last year, probably a bit more, um, people talking about the idea of, you know, that fraud complex. Um, I can't remember the terminology for it now, but... Yeah, the the imposter imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah. So that's a Mm. good example of one where you might be running something and people are saying to you all the time, wow, you're doing a really great job of that business. But in your heart of heart to like, actually, I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be found out. So you spend, as you were saying, all this energy trying to protect this image that you're portraying that you don't necessarily believe. That's exactly right. And the cool thing around exploring these fears is that fear unexamined grows uh, to the point of being all-consuming, but fear examined diminishes. So that, that's a really important principle to understand when it comes to changing stories. You know, because fear in, in itself, we don't like facing it because it's scary, but every time you leave fear in the dark, it becomes abstract and, you know, it becomes a monster. Uh, because it, it turns out that uh, we're never actually afraid of the thing, we're afraid of the thought of the thing. Yes. So the more that you observe it, you're actually surprised about what it really is. Uh, you, know, you know, the kid who's having nightmares is not actually afraid of the monster under their bed. They're afraid of the thought that there is a monster under their bed. Mm. But they've actually not looked. Mm. And, and so the role of dissolving that fear is to turn all the lights on and have a look around and go, righto, if there is a monster under this bed, well, let's burn this house down. <laughs> um, but if there's not one, well, you can go back to sleep. Yeah. So that's that's the same for these limiting beliefs. You know, we're storytellers. We tell these interesting stories when we're young. We form these opinions of ourselves. We think they're true and they go unexamined mm. and become 
stronger and bigger. Uh, and so, you know, we think we're, we're afraid of what others are going to think of us. We think we're afraid we're going to fail or be rejected or be found out. But the more we examine it, we discover that that fear is always based simply in our own opinion of ourselves. Mm. We are afraid of our own opinion. And I, I think that that word opinion is probably the most exciting word in this whole process uh, because opinions, you would never use opinion to describe something that's concrete, that's objectively true, that's universally proven. You use the word opinion to demonstrate the fact that ah, it's a guess, it's an, an idea, it probably is wrong, but it's what you think. Mm. Uh, so the more you examine these opinions, the more holes you see in them and the more you have the ability to change them. If it's an opinion and you formed it in the first place, well, you could also change that opinion when you're ready. Yeah, and I think there's one thing to read that and be told that, but you have to be sort of, there has to be a sort of opening in your energy centre or whatever it is that allows you to believe that, right? So if someone's telling Such an important point, yeah. yeah. So well, how do we get to that? Why, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it's such, that. A, such a good point because, um, you know, so my modelling around how do you resolve insecurity, uh, there's, there's seven essential practices and I think practice five is get help from someone who doesn't care about you, mm. um, which is an interesting piece in the puzzle. If you think about this journey of solving our own story and beliefs and fears, it's, it's parallel to the hero's journey. And the hero's journey, there's always a wisdom character. There's always a guide, a Gandalf, a Yoda, a Dumbledore. You know, there's someone that helps the hero uh, do what they need to do to face the, their, their dragon uh, because no one's coming to save them. Like, no one's actually going to do it for them. No. Uh, you know, imagine if Gandalf uh, said to Frodo when he showed him the ring, says, hey, Frodo, just give me the ring here and I'll make it disappear and we can all go back to bed. Like, that's that's a dumb story. <clears throat> Yeah. So, you know, so often people think insecurity was created outside of them and so they look outside of them for it to be fixed. So they want someone to tell them they're awesome or encourage them or believe in them and they look for that. And and I think we look to do that for others. We, we're constantly, I, I mean, the, the amount of memes and comments on the socials around just believe how awesome you are. You are enough. You just need to understand that. Like mm. if that stuff could work, it would have worked a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. um, you, you are you're absolutely right. You, there has got to be this readiness to you go face your own dragon because it's only a dragon in your head uh, and no one can fix that for you and no one can tell you that's true until you're ready to go face that and see for yourself. And so knowing that that's true but also – what if your fear around your business, let's say, let's make one up, let's say, you know, I'm never going to earn enough money to support my family doing what I love. Just say that's yeah. your negative core belief. And that there are people in your life who are confirming that. So, you know, the person, you know, maybe it's your partner saying, you know what, like this isn't going to make this, you know, every day saying this is not enough money. We need to, you know, so what I'm trying to say is, if you're in that headspace around that negative core belief and you're attracting people in your life who are confirming that for you, is that an indication that it might be time to change that belief? Or is that an indication that it's true? 
<laughs> well, nothing's true and everything's true. You know, okay. we're all we're storytellers, so, you know, they're all bullshit stories. So people who succeed in life just tell better ones than those that don't. So mm-hmm. uh, we don't really have access to what's true. Uh, so I would say, uh, you know, practice three in, in solving this problem is stack the pain. So I think people only ever face their fear from a point of great pain. Uh, where they get to this threshold point where they're like, I, c- I can't keep living like this. Like, this is destroying my life. This is weakening me. This is ruining everything. And if I don't actually turn and face this and work my way through this, uh, it's just going to get worse. Mm. Um, from that point, then then the willingness to actually discover what's going on here and, and realise that even though you think it's the fear of not earning enough money, that's never true. It's just the next layer down. It's you know, if you were to run a business that didn't earn enough money, and those around you were confirming that was a bad thing, what would that say about you as a person? Oh, now it highlights that you are a failure, or there's something wrong with you, or you weren't good enough. So, it's never the thing. It's always the implications of the thing. And and when you can keep chunking down and really turn all the lights on, you know, Yoda says, named must your fear be before banish it you can, mm-hmm. then you can actually start to do some good work and resolve that fear. Because if you don't resolve it, you constantly show up compromised, obsessed, worried. Uh, your state is never in, in a peak performance place anyway, so it's unlikely you're going to succeed. To succeed, you're going to need to show up at your best where it matters most, which means actually resolving this insecurity at the deepest level mm. i got a little bit carried away there sorry lucy no i like no i'm right there because i was thinking i'd interrupted the process of the conversation which was to ask you you know how we overcome that obviously you've just outlined two steps there was is there a step before those two steps that we need to tackle <laughs> well it's kind of one i've alluded to that, that yep. practice one is to, to step into the light so uh, until you are clear about exactly what the problem is, then all time, energy, money, money spent fixing it is wasted. Mm. Uh, you know, typically people fix problems where they see pain. So, you know, the example you gave, I, you know, the, the, the problem is I'm afraid I'm not going to earn enough money in this business. Uh, and the people in my world are confirming that. So maybe I've got a relationship problem. Uh, maybe it's a business problem. Maybe it's a money problem. Uh, but the more you explore that, uh, the deepest level of that problem is it's always the implications of those things. And so it's the problem is really and, and what all those things would reveal about me as a human being. Mm. If they were to happen, then I would be finally found out. There we go. I'm laid bare and everyone can see that there's something wrong with me. That's <laughs> that's the real problem. So super confronting. You know, mm. people are insecure about being insecure. So that's a big deal in itself. Uh, however... Yeah, that that is the only way into this change process is to stop running mm. and, and turn all the lights on and whether you should be insecure or shouldn't be insecure to realise that uh, this fear actually is a universal thing. Every adult human being will need to work through uh, their sense of identity and whether or not they believe they're good enough or not outside of external reference points and what others are saying and doing. Most people won't. Most people will find a way to avoid that question and keep themselves propped up with things that keep them safe Um, and sometimes that works okay sometimes those safe things seem to provide enough safety that they don't ever experience the calamity of those things going 
awry, but um, for those who want to change it, the honesty and awareness about being here and realising the deepest problem is simply a problem. There's nothing wrong with you. The, the problem is your opinion of you. Mm. That's the problem we're solving here. And from that point, we can start to do some really great work around fixing that opinion. It's fascinating. So if that's like step one is obviously being a willing, willing to basically face this. Yeah. So what's step two? Step two is to take responsibility and that, that sounds a cliche, but it, it really is a game changer because once people kind of realise that the problem is their own opinion of themselves, the natural tendency is to go, okay, so why is that true? Where did that come from? Why would I feel so bad about myself? And, and the typical way of answering that question is to think about the past, is to think about what's happened to you, what's been said to you or done to you or, you know, the, the horrible things, the disappointments. Mm. Um, so it's, it's common to then position yourself as a victim of your mm. past and that's why you've got a low opinion. Um, but that doesn't help you solve it because it leaves you powerless. It's like, well, it is what it is. The past happened, I can't change it. So now I'm just going to have to suppress this and get on with my life and cope the best I can, which, which I think is most people's strategy. They just distance themselves from their past because they don't know what to do with it. Uh, the way out of out of insecurity and the change process is all about going well hang on a minute you know life is not about the things that happen to us it's about the meaning we place on the things that happen to us mm. you know so it turns out you're not insecure because your parents were divorced and uh you know they they look like they rejected you you're insecure because when that happened you decided the reason that happened was because mm. you were no good mm. it was because of you so you formed an opinion of you no one else formed an opinion of you so you're not the actor in this story you're the storyteller uh, and you've been using the pen to write scripts against yourself rather than for yourself. So that's a really crucial part. Um, practice three, which you've already alluded to, is to stack the pain. So um, to really get to the point, which I, I think often happens midlife. Like I think all, all my experience and observation around this is young people often don't have enough pain around this fear it's still okay they're still masking managing fine but it's kind of in your 30s towards 40 where this thing really is creating some significant consequences mm. and you're realizing time's running out so uh, if you don't deal with it now it may get to a point where it's too late um, and which is really useful because sorry i cut you off no it's okay keep going well, that's just really useful because it just drives this upper level in terms of priority. Mm. And I talk to people, I talk to young people all the time about insecurity. They're like, ah, yeah, I kind of, yeah, I understand, yeah. But like there's no urgency. Um, I, I love, you know, this demographic we're working with here, like the solo entrepreneurs, they got skin in the game. Yeah. And they kind of realise it is all them. Uh, if And if they don't sort out their own head, well, they can't really rely on anyone else. They've stepped out of the employee world where it probably doesn't matter if they show up at 50% efficiency. Yep. They're not really going to get found out. But, you know, running their own show, it's all them and every, they're, like they're, they're super exposed. So, so that's true. useful. So, yeah, so to really count the cost of this, this opinion that's been undermining you your whole life and to go, it has to end here. I've either got to, I've either got to face this and, and I either die fighting it or I come out the other side reborn. They're the only two options here. 
<laughs> to be a bit dramatic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but that's that's kind of the hero's journey metaphor that gets to be a point where like, oh, well, I'm in now. Uh, may as well keep going all the way. And if there if there is that, you know, clear vision there, like it's do or die, basically, can you be assured of results on the other side? <laughs> like... Yeah, of, of course. You, yeah, I mean, of course you can because it's not actually a monster. Like mm. everybody else knows you're okay. Everyone else knows you're fine. You're good enough. You got what it takes. Everyone else has always been telling you, oh, you'd be great at that. Yeah, of course this will work. It's just your own opinion that's been undermining you. You've decided at some point when you were young that this went down and the reason it went down is because of you and you've just never reviewed the data around that. So, you know, when you actually go explore the monster in the cave that's been taunting you your whole life, it's never actually a monster. It's just a couple of mice playing silly buggers with a candle and some tin cans <laughs> projecting this huge shadow and making a racket. Like, mm-hmm. it's all smoke and mirrors. It's... It's the Wizard of Oz. It's an old guy pulling strings with a smoke machine. <laughs> like, of course you're going to be okay, but no one can tell you that. You've got to go find that out for yourself. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. But no, fortunately as well, because there's of a lot of gold there on that road. There's a lot of gold on that road. Um, well, yeah. No, you go. You keep going. Well, it is fortunate because I love the hero's journey to over. Uh, like to kind of frame this metaphor because when the reason we love the hero's journey when it shows up in movies and books is because of the tension and the drama. It's like, what's going to happen? Like, will they die or will they find a way? And and we don't know. There's no guarantee that Frodo is actually going to get this ring destroyed. That's And we're, we're willing to watch three whole three-hour movies <laughs> to work out whether he's going to do it. Yeah. Like, that's... We're so intrigued, we're so fascinated. Yeah, exactly. So it's the same for human beings. There's no guarantee you're going to find a way to show up at your best. You may well get taken out of the game. Your fears may overcome you. But that's what makes it so wonderful and so meaningful. Mm, Fascinating. Because when you do, then it's real and and then it's valuable and then you get to bring your gift to the world and we all benefit. Mm. So... Are we up to what, step five? So so, uh, so four, so three is pain. Four, uh, you've also got to have a vision. So the hero's always got to have a quest. So I, I love, again, the entrepreneurial spirit. That's why you're in the game in the first place because you've got this idea, you've got this dream, you've got this vision, this thing you want to do. That's essential. If you don't have ambition, what's the point of trying to improve your life? Like you, there is no point. Um, you know, but without this quest, this compelling vision for your life, this all gets way too hard very quickly. Mm. Uh, just go give up, go back to getting a job. What's the point of facing fear? Um, you know, so four is to have a compelling vision for your life and not just be motivated by avoiding pain, but being motivated by what you want instead. Um, you know, Covey says successful people always begin with the end in mind they're kind of drawn into this future that they vision and they don't lose sight of it ever and that's what helps sustain the process Mm. Um, practice five as i alluded to was get help from someone who doesn't care about you so um you you do need a wisdom character there's there's a in every hero's journey there is a a guru or wizard a, um, a coach someone who helps guide the hero 
Uh, and I think the reason that's true is because we're so in our head and we think this story is so true and real because we've got yes. all this evidence. Yeah. So to have someone objective outside of you who can take you out of story and into process, help you realise you're not special, uh, this is a universal fear, it's a predictable problem with a predictable solution, you kind of settle down a bit and trust the process. Yeah, that's such um, an interesting point, isn't it? Because that's like sort of handing over your problem, but you're not giving them responsibility for it, but they're basically saying to you, look, people have done this before, so you're not unique. Don't drown in uniqueness. Like your ego gets a bit of a bashing, right? Your ego (laughs) gets right. I I love telling people they're not special. (laughs) Settle down. Like your problems are not different or complicated or more unique. It's okay. Every single human being is worried that they're not good enough and uh, there are plenty of people who've worked out how to solve this problem. So you'll be okay too. Um, no one's coming to save you, by the way, so you're going to do the work, but the role of a, of a guide is essential. Um, the great challenge is to find one who doesn't care about you. Uh, that's the key distinction because so often we look to people who do care because we want encouragement, we want support, yeah. we want accountability, but that ends up weakening the hero because you keep looking to the guide to solve the problem. Yes. Like, because in every hero's journey, eventually Gandalf's gone, Dumbledore's dead, Yoda's not there, and the hero's still going to go do their thing. Yeah. Yeah, imagine it missed. Sorry. That's all right. I was just thinking, like, in that case, you need to choose someone that you actually respect a bit. I'm not saying that you like them, or someone that just scares you into turning up each week, because that's a hard thing to hear, right? Well, I love it. Like, my very first job when I had the privilege of coaching someone is to tell them, hey, listen, by the way, don't confuse me for someone who gives a shit about you. (laughs) It's it's so much fun. You're being paid for that. (laughs) It's so good because they think that's horrible. They end up finding – they find out that is the most – that's the biggest gift I could possibly give them because it means I'm not going to get in the way. And and what the wonder of that is it creates a clean space for a judgment-free conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, if I have a vested interest – all of a sudden it's not safe for them to be honest. They can't afford to tell me they've had a bad day or they're going backwards or they're struggling. They've got to give me the right answer because I need them to fix this. I need them to be better. Mm. Uh, and I'm like, that's the challenge with people who care about us. They want us to feel good about ourselves. So they give us advice and they care about us and they fuss and, and, and then we can please them and disappoint them so they become dangerous. Mm. <clears throat> um, yeah, the, the big challenge for finding a guide is don't find one who's going to get in the way. Uh, there's lots of, like the biggest challenge for people in my space, coaches, counsellors, psychologists, is not con- not to confuse the world about who the hero is. Because mm. lots of them actually want to be the hero, like they like to be needed, they like to be the one fixing people's problems. Yep. And they actually disempower the hero. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, practice six then is to go be the hero. So eventually all the talk's done, all the preparation, all the tools, all the training. Now you've still got to go fight fight the monster. You've still got to go work out, are you good enough or not? And and that specifically means going on a journey backwards through your storytelling and discover the origin. When did you decide the first time, the very first time, that there was something wrong with you? Like where did you form this opinion? Where did this story start? And... and, and Reviewing that data is essential to changing this. So like lots of people, you know, the final the final practice is rewrite the story and lots of people just want to rush to that. They go, oh, yeah, I get this, but surely I don't have to go back into my past. You know, can't I write some <laughs> affirmations on my mirror and um, <laughs> just, you know, look on Instagram twice a day for yep. my motivation? Um, well, you can, but if you don't deconstruct 
the prevailing narrative of your life that says you're no good, the moment you get tired or discouraged or anxious, guess what's taken over? You know, that old story. That's all it, that's all it can do. So you've got to deconstruct it. You've really got to undo it all the way back to the start until it doesn't actually make sense anymore. Then you can write a new script and use that pen and paper to great effect rather than to use it against yourself. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Um, and so then, so that was six. So then we're at seven. Yes, yeah, seven is rewrite the story. It's, right. uh, it's always been you all along. It was your opinion that's been limiting you. So you get a chance to form a new opinion and then to reinforce that opinion until it's the new truth, until it's the one that you gather evidence for and it becomes the self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, yeah, which is sort of like leads to my last question really because I'm thinking once, so that if we've gone through that process, what when we do overcome this belief, what mm. can we expect to change? I'm assuming everything. Well, uh, to me, the word unhindered is such a beautiful description of what happens next. Uh, so often people are very hindered, they're limited. It's like driving the car with the handbrake on. There's this internal limiter. Um, so to me, when you solve the insecurity problem, you show up unhindered. You show up free to actually be at your best where it matters most. So that's not only just good for your business, it's actually good for your health. Turns out it's good for your finances. It's excellent for your marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're a more present parent. It, it is, it's, you become a good a better human being, the better version of yourself, uh, which is uh, a lovely experience. Absolutely. And if you're doing this, as you suggest, many of your clients are in that sort of middle of the age, you know, middle age, sort of 40, mid 30s, 40s, 50s. I mean, you've got quite a lot of time to enjoy the results of that. That's that's exactly it. That's the story my wife kept telling. We, we tell ourselves that so we both turned 40 uh, last year and we just <laughs> said 40 to 60, they will be our most fruitful years. They mm. will be where this thing really gets wonderful. Uh, and I think that is the opportunity to set yourself up for a really fruitful, productive, meaningful back end and to uh, really go do some good work and <laughs> work that we all benefit from. Yeah. Fascinating. Jamin, it is always fascinating to listen to you speak. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. Um, If we wanted to find out more about you and the work that you do and maybe even get you to be the Yoda in our our experience, (laughs) how do we contact you? well, interestingly, when I started the Insecurity Project, my business coach at the time told me it was the wrong idea and a terrible <laughs> name because it kind of went against good business practice. You know, you're supposed to pitch the prize, so I should have been the security coach or the confidence guy or the self-esteem coach. Um, but I went with Insecurity Project because it's just it represented the problem that I felt most compelled to solve. Uh, what I didn't realise at the time was that was almost an SEO masterstroke. So uh, there's, there's, I haven't found anyone else in the world who's branded themselves so overtly with that one word. Uh, so it turns out it's very easy to find me uh, if you Google overcoming insecurity. Um, then you'll, you'll discover the Insecurity Project. You, you'll find uh, my podcast. Uh, I just sent off my book. To the ah, editors, congratulations. Which, oh, my goodness. I've um, <laughs> <laughs> been working on that for some time now, so that's out very soon. Uh, yeah, but uh, my website's jaymanfraser.com and um, on the socials as the Insecurity Project or Jamin Fraser, so that's how to find me. That's brilliant. 
Thank you so much, Shaman. We'll hope to have you on again soon. Thanks very much, Lucy.